Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham. And with me, a special guest, Max Fink. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good, man. Uh, so this is the part of the podcast, before we get into it, uh, where I ask our guest, which is yourself, about yourself. Where you been? Where you at? Where you heading? Just a little introduction to our listeners and views out there. Yeah. Um, I've been Max. I've, some people know me from the Bit thing. Um I think you didn't say it, but I'm the battle bit developer. Well, one of the guys I have been here all day. Mm. I'm probably heading like in a few hours there and I'm coming right back here. Oh, wow. That, that's pretty much only thing I do currently. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. All right. So, uh, man, where to start? Right. So you guys are having quite a moment right now, right? With battle bit remastered. Um, and I guess the best place to start is from the beginning. So as far as we can tell, at least from the public information domain, <laughs> there's three of you guys that have worked on this, continue to work on this. Can you kind of give us a little insight about how did this start? For those who are been in the cat cave for, for, for the last couple months, you guys are the, the number one game on Steam right now. Um, so let's talk about the beginning. I don't think number one, I think we will never be able to beat CSGO in that field. <laughs> Outside of Valve, uh, you know, Monopoly. Yeah, you guys are number one. <laughs> yeah, um, it's actually a funny story. It kind of is like these 3 a.m. Uh, you hang out at some place thing, sorry. So I have to admit, I joined the team one year after it initially started. So it only started with Okin Velasquez. The two others that are currently missing and couldn't make it for today, sadly. So when they, when I think Squad released, both of them come from not really like third world countries, but more on the poor side. They come from Turkey and Belarus. Mm. So they only had really bad hardware and they all wanted to play Squad. They've been huge Battlefield fans and their systems never could run the game. So they just came up with the right idea. Okay, we know how to do some things in game development. Why not just like make it ourselves and this is basically where it started and it's to this day the core idea of the game make something that delivers the same experience but on the very lowest end of hardware that makes sense to me it's 
quite a simple formula. Not gonna lie. Well, I mean, the, the, this is funny enough that you mentioned Valve and, and CS:GO, right? I mean, this is like their mantra for the longest time. Uh, it wasn't until recently that you know Counter Strike actually somewhat looks pretty good, right? But for the longest time, performance was king, and especially shooter. I think most people who play competitively want that 60 frames per second experience or above. There's a clear difference when there, it isn't. Um, another game that references this, following kind of like the Valve way of thinking. Uh, and fair enough, Call of Duty as well, right? Um, but Valve kind of originated at this. It's, it's Valorant. Valorant is uh, low graphics, stylized graphics, but minimum spec is kind of like their key thing for development so when you mentioned you know you joined the team a year later how many years ago did the development of this game actually started uh it funnily enough it started in 2016 it goes all the way back to 2016 and i joined somewhere the end of 2017 i usually come well i came from a different background i used to make mods for games i was not really game developer so i kind of just dropped into it more or less um, yeah, and I was just doing mods for other games at the time, just for fun, fun little projects. And I heard of Oki because I came in touch with the Battle project back then. I heard of them, hey, they need help with vehicles. And I made a lot of vehicles back then. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I can help. And I kind of sticked with it until today. So, and throughout the years, just learned more, uh, dibbled in more fields. So I'm by far not only the artist at this project anymore. In the meantime, I do a bunch of more things. Uh, then just artists for example I, I run our whole management the whole moderators is everything I run content creator relations basically something that has to do with people most of the time so the makeup of this team is kind of like vague right now uh, there's mainly three developers but I'm assuming you guys are using contractors outside help volunteer like what how exactly are you before early release how many people would you say is actually on and off on the project fun fact it's us three it's just you three do it everything pretty much so we have okay. some people sometimes we are just too bad in some topics so we get help from outside so freelancers we yeah. pay them for their work they do for example the animations most of the animations on game that was i think there's one that i did there's a few that oki did back yeah. then from 2016 but all the new weapons they all have off one person we pay for it and Apart from this, that's pretty much it. Everything else is, there's always like people that come in and like, hey, I I work in this field. I know exactly what I'm doing. If you do it in this and this way, then it will work. But there's a bunch of them. So I have no idea how many it was like in the end. Um, even like industry people, people that work in the same industries make similar games than us. They come to us and say, hey, I think it's really cool. What do you want to do? So let me just help you with that. Um but those are mostly like one-offs. You talk once to this person, you get the tips from them, and then you'll never talk again because everyone, especially in the field we're in, everyone will always tell you, hey, you kind of have to figure it out yourself. Yeah. It's like, I give you these tips to push you in the right direction. You'll actually have to figure it out yourself how it would be best. Hmm. So that's more or less the field. But to the core, it's pretty much just us three. The only person I would really count into here is still our animator which makes it then four, but he's like only contract work yeah. and everything else from art. Well, art is all my department, but sounds we just buy online. There's like tons of sites outside. 
where you can just like buy sounds, license them for one project. And that's the same as we do. It's cheap. It's easy. Uh, I forget exactly what engine. Are you guys using your own engine or Unity, Unreal? Uh, we're using Unity. We're running with Unity, at least of what's left with it, because a lot of systems we have in place, uh, they're custom made. Because Unity just doesn't deliver the performance for like 250 players anymore. Right, 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 right. right. It was a good baseline to build off of. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, you, you mentioned your previous experience before helping with the team. <clears throat> was it similar with the um, other two developers as well? They had kind of various backgrounds before deciding to do this? Not really. We all basically started from zero. I know of Oki that he just like did a little bit around. He found like game game development is interesting. So he like tried a little bit of things in there. Uh, same with Velasquez. I think Velasquez also comes from modding background. If I'm not wrong, he definitely made mods for a long time. Um, but it's like for all of us, um, Velasquez found a job in a different game company and he has been doing it for a while now but like only after it but for all of us definitely this is our first release ever this is the first time we actually release a project even if it's outside or like our own or someone's different this is for all of us it's the first time it's the first time we ever release a game did you guys anticipate well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. We'll get to the success of the game. But I would say when you guys originally set this out, because it seems like when you um, hit early release, which was this year, that was about seven years in development, six years in development, roughly. Seven, seven, seven more years. or less. I've got to talk to you guys about Magic Mind. Being a podcast host is pretty demanding. You always have to stay sharp, keep your thoughts clear, and, and maintain the pretty high energy level to especially engage with guests. So I've always been curious, always looking to learn and share, but I must admit there are days that I, I struggle with a bit of brain fog. So my routine in the morning usually consists of waking up pretty raw and immediately moving into my morning exercises. This is how I've always tried to stay sharp and focused, but there are days, man, when I still feel like a, a lack of mental clarity and concentration. The folks at Magic Mind were kind enough to send me a couple boxes, samples, and it really have like made a difference in my mornings. I felt it right after my workout. It's it's like a huge mental boost that carries me throughout the day. It doesn't just give me the energy boost. It also improves my focus. I feel like my conversations with guests are much sharper and I'm better able to stay aware and engaged. So I've been doing Magic Mind for the last week and a half now. And I noticed my productivity levels are through the roof. Even after several days of use, I feel the difference. It helps me stay in a flow state. It gives me that mental energy I need to maintain my curiosity and explore all the corners of game development with my guests. So, and you know, what's even better, it's natural, vegan, as far as I can tell. It doesn't contain any sugar. There's also other ingredients that helps reduce stress and anxiety and several types of mushrooms that supports cognition and boosts energy levels. Now, now I wouldn't recommend something unless I genuinely believe in it. I shared it with my wife and she even noticed a difference. <laughs> 
And she mentioned to me she haven't felt this way for a long time. She's have always relied on caffeine to kind of help boost up her day. And but with these shots of magic mind, it completely transformed and helped with her daily routine. So hugely noticed the benefits. And I'm pretty sure you will too. So here's the deal. You can try Magic Mind for yourself. Get up to 56% of your subscriptions for the next 10 days with my code GAMEDEV20. That's magicmind.com forward slash unchained. That's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D.com forward slash unchained. U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D. Use the code GAMEDEV20 for a discount. I highly recommend the 30-pack for the best value. And just try it. Once you try Magic Mind, I'm pretty sure you're going to feel the same as me, that it's just this amazing boost to help with your daily game dev endeavors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. That's a fun story because we kind of never planned to release the game. <laughs> yeah, you, you, so it was just for fun between you guys and two hundred fifty-six of your best friends. <laughs> uh, more or less. No, it was like it was like always us of pushing the limits of what we can do because it's like fun to find out. There's like no one that restricts us from anything. So we have the full creative freedom. We can just do whatever we want. So um, it was always just more like, hey, how we do this and how we do this and. The original idea is still just a game that we we enjoy playing, and that's still how we develop this. We just try rounds as long as it needs, just to find a space where we think, okay, there's like something I see myself playing. I I would play this. I would like this exactly like the way it is currently. We definitely take our players' feedback in account. Usually, we even have we had that four days ago. Mm-hmm. Definitely two days ago, I actually did an open stream about development again. I think four days ago, we had an open development talk. And we will actually continue this every Saturday now that we just stream live on Twitch and we talk about new features and the whole community can be there with us on Twitch and decide how we want to do features, give their input and interact with us. And like we we go back and forth with our community until we find actually feature that they would like, we would like. So we have the, the perfect middle ground of what we actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And when you guys were, so what, what pushed the, the actual release? Was it just, you guys felt pretty, pretty confident where it was? People were giving you really good feedback, internal testing. I mean, I'm assuming you guys are playing with your friends and, and family. I mean, how, how big were those sessions while, before release? Like how, so you had 200 people just around playing or no. was it always like 10 or 20? Uh, it was actually fairly small. So the game got 
it kind of released already in 2000, yeah, end of 2016, early 2017, somewhere around that time. Okay. Uh, so it, there was something, some small community around the game, but we did for all these. Yeah, when did the game blew up? One and a half year ago, before the game blew up, really. We actually had like the same as we did in the whole last one and a half years, uh, still the same playtest, but usually always like at best with 80 people. Mm-hmm. like all from community worldwide um and we just played everyone knew each other so it was like really cool everyone i knew everyone that was playing at the time because we all like hang out with them in a the discord all the time so it was it was really cool it was a really close thing and then yeah the game kind of blew up in january because yeah some other game company didn't did release a game that people didn't want that way um so uh I won't blame them for it because I definitely know it's not their fault. It was definitely on somewhere else because no game developer ever would release a project like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it blew up. Uh, there's still a voice recording f- from us from that time in our staff chat somewhere where we absolutely freaked out because we have seen, we have never seen 600 players in the server. Yeah. So we actually had never more than two servers running. Um, games was running so we absolutely freaked out in our small team that oh my god we have like so many people playing now what do we do now yeah. and it was like the initial switch for that is that we switched to the steam play testing before you could request the beta key from us you would just get it for free and then get the beta access and then we switched to play testing and suddenly everything was different like way more people could play the game because it was way more accessible you just go in steam request access and you have access instantly you can just play it Mm-hmm. So it was insane for that hype and helped us like in the end actually come to the size that we, we have been before we released this project. So uh, when you, when the open beta testing for community building, was that like a kind of invite only? Was there like a buy-in to kind of get access to you guys before it blew up? Like how, how did you guys actually get that going? Um, that beta was actually... It was more or less just here's a message in the Discord and we will send you a key for the game so you get access to the beta. That was it. That was everything it took to actually get access back then when it was still like in development because it was like always small. It was always our fun thing and we developed it with our community which more became family down the line. Um, It was never too big corporate but when it actually blew up we knew like okay it's kind of the time now that we actually have to release the game yeah. It's not like we have a big choice anymore. We can't like, with all the hype we've been getting now, we can't just say, okay, yeah, we'll just like do as we feel like and we'll release it like in 10 years or something. Yeah. But that, that was, was the first time monetizing that, that official blow up. That was the first time you guys like, let's put a price on it. and uh, Not even. Not we even. didn't. Yeah. Well, we had like a price in mind, which we actually later, we lowered it. We lowered our price before we released the game. So we usually had like 20 bucks in game yeah. or in, in our mind and think around one year ago, we actually lowered it to 15. We said, okay, with how many people we're we getting now, we can actually go a lower price, which will make it more accessible again. Right. So that, that is the thing we did actually for our community more or less. Yeah. So the decision was based on the fact that, Hey, we're making enough. So, I mean, let's get it yeah. out there. And, and and just have more people reach out to us and, and and be able to access the game. So like 
for those who don't understand the Steam ecosystem, so the you know you can always load up your game and have people access through Steam, which is what you guys did through beta keys, right? Um, um yeah, I'm honest. Yeah, and then finally switching to play testing is that where the early access thing is is kind of more available? What what it is right now in in the current state is that what you were mentioning? Uh, no, the Steam playtesting is actually a feature Steam introduced, I think, two years ago, okay. which is different. You can actually, if you, what's the game that's currently in playtesting? Mm, okay, I don't know any game that's currently in playtesting. So, oh, no, they have a, no, never mind. Um, so playtesting no. is different from early access. Yeah, it's different. So instead of actually getting the game, you get a second application in your Steam uh, in your Steam inventory, which has game name, playtest. And it's not actually the game. It's a different app. It's like a demo app, but for like testing, it's not like time restricted or whatever. It is like a pure testing app. Um, so, and that, that was really easy to achieve because it, it would still say in the Steam store, hey, this game is not released. You can just press the wishlist button if you want to have it. Yeah. And right below it, it said, okay, if you want to take part in the playtesting, request access to the playtest. And if you press that, because we didn't put in a limit in it, it was just all out. If you uh, request it, you would get Here's a game instantly. that's actually doing that. Arc Raider. Arc Raider. Arc Raider's doing that. Ah, right now. I think, but they are limited, if I'm not mistaken. They are limited, but there is a button that you can add on wishlist to play. Because I think their demo is coming out at the end of this week for people to test it uh i did see that button yeah here's the thing with steam right unless you're in the community it's hard to know exactly what are the different stages and availability once you're in it they don't really advertise you know the the steps as much as they should because these are really cool that's the first time i i you're literally telling me something that nobody has ever told me which is there's a place testing phase that you can upload your game and have people play test it's like where why don't they put that on the front page sometimes um okay so there's this interim stage that you guys entered that play test that everybody can request access and that's how you guys were able to communicate directly to to uh to to players who are interested and then it wasn't until january when things blew up where you guys switched to early access is that there? um no in we are we just launched into early access early access is more or less a steam thing like hey you don't have to finish your game you yeah. can launch it into early access and continue the development yes. and it's, it's more or less a disclaimer disclaimer for everyone that gets the game hey this is an unfinished product it's, it's bugged, not fully finished we know yeah <laughs> yeah um and then you actually have to fill out on the Steam forum or like in the Steam site what you actually want to do to like fully finish it. You actually have to ask like I think six questions you'll have to ask, and like everyone on the Steam store can then read it. Okay, what is our plan to finish this project? Um, the playtesting thing is like, yeah, that is one and a half years ago, and where we switched from our more or less closed but open beta to playtesting. And then it went into public playtesting, and it just made it way more easier for people to get access to the game in this very closed development state before, because before we only launched servers on specific times. We launched them Saturdays for six hours. And that is when we did testing, when we got in all our info we needed to continue in the next week, uh, like go into the next week, fix all the issues we had, see if the changes we did worked. And then next Saturday we tried again. And we did this for like months now. So, and what we did now is like we launched into early access, which is that Steam, hey, we're still in development thing, 
but now the game is playable 24-7. That is the big difference between both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, closed beta was like really kind of closed access, but yet still open. Playtesting was like all open access for like one and a half years. And now we're in like all, all open, mm-hmm. um, but with that paid requirement. So that moment when it, uh, I want to kind of retrace that, that, that moment when you guys all realize this is blowing up what's happening. Um, I mean, you guys were just trying to serve the community, make it fun, make basically gains for yourself. Right. And then it just suddenly organically grew into this product. That moment when it happened, it sounds like in January, were you guys ever to, in retrospect, trace back what happened exactly to kind of see how it blew up or have you guys put any thought into if we were to recreate this moment, can we? No, I think nothing ever can recreate that moment. Yeah. Um, seeing your own project just skyrocket within days is, well, kind of the launch now, the early access launch kind of recreated it because the project literally skyrocketed within yeah. days. Something we didn't even expect something like this. We have expects, I think we can pretty much openly say about, or like talk about it in our playtesting, which was all free. Everyone could play the game for free. Yeah. We when the project initially kicked off in January, 2022, um, we had like 20,000 people playing, which is absolutely insane for playtesting. Yeah. Uh, that dropped down to 15,000 throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And then we had one final playtest, which was one weekend long, except not only six hours, it was a full weekend long. And we had 32,000 people playing, which was mind-blowing for us it is it is way more than we ever expected because we have been used to like fifteen thousand people because it was like at the end of the year we were like okay maybe we get like twenty thousand people and we got like see twice so oh we went to thirty two thousand and then okay well next week we launched the game it's paid then maybe fifteen thousand active players like at the same time and well we just after now one week of launching we're like one and a half weeks in now Yesterday night, we just peaked again with 87,000 people, yeah. which is insane. We are far away from 15,000 now. We have not hit 15,000 yet. We have never gone so low as 15,000 players, which is insane. Yeah. Well, it's a testament to you guys' uh, you know, game design. <laughs> it's, it's a fun game. And it, there's so many elements to the game that's impressive where... Uh, well, there's three of you mainly. Uh, the idea that this was more like a like a pro a pet project, you know, just a hobbyist project, you know, for yourself, uh, and then letting some people in that eventually blew up. I, I guess you know one question before I move on is like those people who were beta or playtesting before were they they converted into just owning the game or were they have to go through the process of purchasing? How, how did you guys handle that? So. There's some recordings of people like from way back then, but because we don't have any publisher, we don't have any investor, we don't have no sponsors, no nothing. The project itself was either financed from our own pockets yeah. or later on the line, completely community financed. Um, we had a patron running where people could donate. And one of the benefits for donating there is except some other rewards in game right. and everything was actually a copy of the game on release. So sense. everyone that helped us to this point actually got the game uh, for more or less half the price than what you have to pay now for the same content. You can still obtain the content if you buy the supporter pack, which we released with it, but everyone that supported us way before 
and you could only have donated once. You didn't have to stay uh, donating every single month. You could just do it once and you would still get the whole game. And everyone that is there has got the game now. Yeah. How did you... Uh... There's like a million questions going through my head because what you guys are doing, I mean, we hear stories like this from the Indian community and I feel like I'm always a, a huge proponent of support for, for teams like yours that are small, but also very agile, but in a lot of ways, moving the industry forward, you know, away from the traditional way of doing things. Like you mentioned before, usually you have a publisher, investor, right? And uh, it can be a pro and, and con to that, obviously. And the con is you guys can't be able to, you wouldn't be able to do what you guys are doing, you know, uh, take your time, you know, foster community, but also kind of make your own calls, you know, without any outside pressure. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and at the same time, play around with the, 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 the pay model, you know, get it to the point where it feels like it works for them and it works for us, you know, in terms of your community, as well as the developer team. You mentioned it before, like some of your team were, and, and yourself were balancing different things while developing this game. I hope that, because of the success, things have changed. Uh, when did things change for you guys or decided to change or realizing there's a huge change with the success, like a successful product now? You know, how, what, you know, your outlook for the next five, 10 years or continuing in terms of time spent on just this project now. Uh, could you describe kind of like that moment for yourself at least of like, all right, now I can really seriously just think about this game all the time. Um, that's actually funny because two of us, me included, still have a main job. We still have a nine to five. Um, and I'm here in Germany and I'm just an apprentice and to be, or to learn in a company, to learn like that specific task you're going to do in your job. You go to school one day a, a week. Yeah. That is actually tomorrow. I will wake up tomorrow at 5 a.m. and actually drive to school. Um, it's I could choose differently, but I, I still want to continue this. I want to have my degree. I want to have my paper that uh, then I'm a proper German engineer, which is very funny. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, to this point, there is some tasks. Yes, we give away within the moderation team. Uh, there's, a, there's a big team backing us with all the moderation because moderating 87,000 players is a huge challenge and by far couldn't be done by us three. Um, there, there's quite a big team. I think we're 50 people in this team now. Um, like 24 seven, just seeing if you report someone in the game because he's doing any nasty things, he says like bad words or something, someone will check this and work on this. And th there's definitely tasks we give away. I'm slowly trying to diverse my task into where we're going with some things, but overall, we actually don't want things to change. Um, we are not planning to hire X amount of people. We are not planning to expand like this and this, and uh, maybe I collaborate with them. No, we because it's a passion thing. It's not something we have to do. It's something we'd love to do. Um, and more or less, we only have to pay ourselves. So we came from a zero budget. If we continue with a zero budget, that's fully fine with us. Yeah. So we. Our main focus is only the game. Make the game as enjoyable as possible. There are consequences around. We don't care about them. 
more or less. So there will not be like, I'm not really the artist. I will not hire like two other people that do my job now. And I will only do management or something. No, I will do my art things and I do my management. Yes, it might take time, but there's no one forcing us that we have to do like, hey, you have to do like 95. And if this isn't done by five, uh, there's a huge issue or something. No, we're free. It's a hobby. Like if it takes like until in the middle of the night, then it takes until the middle of the night. Who cares? Yeah. There's definitely a pureness to that philosophy. You know, just to kind of provide some background, my son, you know, I went through the whole college, I went through studios, AAA, small, big, right? And what I'm finding myself in, in later in my life as a game developer is that I'm trying to return back to kind of like my college spirit of like, let's make games for fun, right? <laughs> Which is what I find a lot, what smaller teams and indie developers such as yourselves are, are doing is just enjoying for the pure fact of making entertainment. And, um, you know, if, if you talk to a lot of developers like myself, uh, we kind of lost the way there, we become a lot more about the business, exactly how you kind of um, kind of laid out there in the nine to five, getting clock out at five, and then I get to live my life, right? Which is uh, a, some, for something for what we do, the, there is an advantage to, uh, have that line blurred, right? I'm doing this for fun. It's always been fun, you know? And for me, the stop is just basically saying, I don't feel like having fun right now, right? <laughs> so uh, I do want to ask you uh, to kind of dive into this moderation team that you guys built up to 50. Where did that begin? Like, how did that start? It, you know, was it because you guys were just, uh, with just the three of you, you guys figured, yo, this is just way too much work for all three of us to manage at first 15,000 people. And then it slowly grew from there. Uh, can you kind of explain like the steps you guys took to kind of, what is this moderation thing? Is it a company? Is it groups of people? What What is this exactly? It's more or less just a bunch of random people from the community who just think, okay, that's like pretty cool. I kind of want to help them. And because we, we mainly run on Discord and our main communication is still on Discord and everything, there's a lot of open chats. We have chats in various languages and you need like, sometimes there's always that one person that acts funny yeah. and maybe I'm not fully around all the time. Maybe someone else is not around all the time. Someone is sleeping, whatever. Someone needs to be there. And this is where kind of started. So like just, it's pretty, pretty usual, like around Discord servers, there's always like a moderator. Someone that just controls everything a little bit, checks if people are misbehaving and handles out warnings or maybe bans them from the community. And this has always been a thing. It's been a thing with the game. There was like before when it was way smaller, there was like one person playing and he was like kind of moderating what do people write in chats because it's mostly all open. In the meantime, it's not, well, it's still all open, but we monitor it way more than we used to. Uh, just because we have to, there's a lot of legal things that in the meantime go into like running a big thing like this, which we haven't been aware of. We have been made aware of that very quickly um, to yeah, to provide a safe experience for everyone that is out there and playing it. And this is how it just grew. And what we really noticed like before we had like, I think it's like seven people in the moderation team, like all across the globe to just like have 24-7 coverage and they're all volunteers. There's no one paid in this team. They are all just here because they actually just love what we're doing too. And they just want to be part of it. So yeah. And to not put like a huge burden on everyone and like completely shovel them with work, like it would be in a nine to five, we just got a bunch more people. 
that is how we do it. So if someone can take off, isn't here today, that's fine because there's like other people too. Mm-hmm. There's no one ever left fully alone. So yeah, and this is how we then grew it. With the more people we're going, the more the bigger the game grows, the more people we need in this team. So everyone can have some free time. Doesn't have to be there all the time. And in the meantime, I think it's pretty much expected that we have a huge workload in this team. Um, that's why I'm actually currently in this moment. I think there's currently. Yeah, there's even currently an interview going on. I'm actually currently getting new people on that team because it's just so much work that we don't have enough people anymore. Yeah. To put this into perspective, if you report someone in game, yeah. there's not always a ticket going out to one of the moderators to check on it. Um, only if there's like there's some weight system in this and like how probable it is that this person actually did this. And there's a there's an interesting system behind this. But overall, we're currently getting a thousand tickets an hour. Mm-hmm. Gee. thousand single things someone has to check on it did this person do it did he not do it and then act on it and a thousand things an hour is too much for one person it would be too much for us three while handling the game so that's why you start to get people in it so are, are you guys mostly doing this in discord I'm, I'm sh- i feel like the i know steam has a bug testing a bug reporting system as in place are you guys using that as well or what are what else are you leveraging uh, to kind of get this reporting system up? No, we have made internal tools. Um, I designed them, okay, programmed them. We have a bunch of internal tools, um, own apps we built just for this purpose, which we will hand out to moderators once they join a team. But yeah, a lot of it goes still in our Discord. Uh, there's a lot going on in our Discord, especially like all communication is done in the Discord. We are there like, all the time in our staff channels, there's always people. There's always those are that are currently around. They usually hang around in the staff channel just to communicate with everyone else that's currently online. Okay, what are you guys doing? Do you need help in this? Um, is there something I can take over? Like all these things, which is it's interesting. As soon as you get like really dedicated people in it, sometimes things just things just run themselves. Like everyone be like, okay, I I don't wait for my supervisor to tell me where to go. I will be like, hey, do you guys need help here? There's another question I have for that. Uh, it's uh, regarding to, in, in terms of after developing something like this, that you guys built kind of like this ecosystem that a lot of studios with experience um, have set kind of uh, the foundation. You guys are doing this organically and intuition-wise, just having it there in place. And the main purpose is just serving the community and making sure that the, the people playing the game are enjoying the game and continue to want to play the game such a simple concept but a lot of games nowadays just simply aren't doing that i mean your guys own frustration i mean obviously you guys are very big fans and inspired by a lot of shooters out there your fan base seems to kind of be responding the same exact way i I can even equate it to like there's a lot of feels like there's frustration out there that these games that are currently available are not serving and you guys are serving them well um with game design being the forefront right uh, being the the main uh, objective, uh, I know you guys at, at first were setting to design this to make sure that it runs on all systems because you guys want to be inclusive, and felt like you guys were outside of reach for a lot of these games that required really high spec PCs, right? So that was a great, obviously, sample of the demographic that you guys are currently serving. 
have you guys been able to kind of start pinpointing like why are these guys playing our game specifically is it in response to what's out there right now or are we just serving we're just doing something so unique and different here that we feel like it was only a matter of time that that this game will kind of hit it off um not really so i don't think that we did something way better than others there's so many great games out there. My Steam library is like filled with great games. I will probably be never able to complete because that's just how Steam kind of works. You you buy a game, you never complete it. Yeah. Um, I think we're just like, we have made a thing. We've made a thing that we think is funny. And I think other people just think it's funny too. It it For us, we don't kind of care about numbers. So we obviously look at it because it's, Having a lot of players will definitely impact the performance, but in any case, in any decision we take, uh, that is pretty obvious. I think from our stream, it, it was pretty obvious already. Everything we do is with with serving the community in a, in the mind. We would never add something that would go against the community. We would always go like, "Hey, how are you guys like this? Is this fine? Uh, how about we run like this or this? And how could we make this?" the best way possible for it, so everyone is included. So every decision we do is to completely serve the community. This is nothing... We did changes we didn't want to do, but the community wanted it. So, okay, we just make the best out of it. So how can we combine both worlds? It's actually the, the between me and Oki. I'm the artist. He's a programmer. He wants something small performance. I want to have them pretty. And so basically there's a lot of fighting between us. But usually, Natural. because we're always like competitors, cooperative with each other we usually always find a middle ground where we meet where we think what is best for the game next and to be honest i don't know where people play your game i don't know it i've never been a data analyst as i said before this is the first guy time we ever release a game we have no idea what we did but it worked i will uh, i'll take a stab at it <laughs> So obviously, you know, I found out probably after it got popular, you know, a couple of months ago, starting this game kind of blow up. I mean, obviously, you guys got a lot of press coverage. Um, and uh, being the fact that you guys are a three-man team, being the fact that this is probably the opposite of what, you know, uh, AAA shooters are, which is really graphic heavy and intensive. Uh, it's also in the midst of conversations where, you know, I think the... We did a, uh, I did a, I dedicate a whole episode last week or the week before on um, something that the Xbox boss was saying, how games were taking four to six years to make. And a lot of people who were outraged by that was saying that, you know, we're just spending too much resources in art or graphically, you know, just all the stuff. And then, and, you know, you're, you're a fan of the industry. A lot of these games that come out that are quote unquote AAA day one have to be patched or just unplayable, just pun of glitches and uh, bugs and it's a half-baked game. So, you know, unfortunately, AAA has kind of been um, tagline with poorly performed, just poor games, just terrible games, just day one. And they spend the next year and a half, Cyberpunk being like a good sample, right? Take a year and a half to, to fix it <laughs> after release. 
right? So there's a pattern here. So what's refreshing about you guys is you guys just went, you know, it's not graphic heavy, right? It's all about design. There's a shitload of people in the server and people are genuinely just having a lot of fun. Also, you know, it has, uh, I would love to kind of hear your thoughts. People are like compared to Roblox in terms of, you know, the looks of it. It's also a time where um, Roblox kind of went and was built off of kind of Minecraft, uh, not the system, but like I felt like it was an era of like, you know, how graphic is, shouldn't be like priority and it should be gameplay, right? So I felt like you guys came at the right time and mechanically everything feels great. Uh, you guys did a great job just nailing like the inspiration that you guys are drawing from and, and combined it in a way that was just pure fun. Um, and I think it capitalized it on, on a lot of the younger generation, you know, people who kids who are playing Fortnite and Roblox, you know, find what you guys made very, uh, inviting, right. Um, it, it, it's not as intense as call of duty or battlefield parents don't mind the kids playing these, your game, right. Um, it's not as violent, even though you are shooting each other, <laughs> but it's approachable. Uh, so, you know, it, it's from the books of Nintendo, you know, approachable graphics, fun game design, right? So this is a, definitely an audience that's been starving for a while uh, for something new. And I, I would say successfully, you guys did something better than a lot of AAA games. You know, you play Warzone. You know, I play Warzone all the time. Yes. Boy. Played once, but when it initially came out, and only was on one, one, the two I just never touched. Right, and no, it's 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 pretty divisive. You know, people don't like it. I enjoy it enough to keep playing it, but when you jump in, you're mostly encountering a squad. Right, it, it doesn't feel like a battlefield war zone type of setting. And even Battlefield right now, it's kind of losing its audience. It's kind of losing its, in my opinion, essence of what made Battlefield great. It's just not a lot of, I feel like they've been kind of taking a lot of missteps. But you guys, this game, I jump in, it feels like war. You know, the fact that it's 200 plus people actually that I can see feels pretty awesome. To me, it reminds me more of something like uh, Valve's Day of Defeat. When I was uh, seeing your game for the first time, it feels like I'm with a bunch of my buddies trying to, you know, capture or clear a hill and stuff. Right? A lot of these first-person shooters nowadays don't have that feeling of a squad war-like thing. And you guys, I feel like, did that successfully um, above all others, right? So that's my theory. <laughs> And it feels like that. This is from the outsider looking in. It's just, you guys just nailed it uh, in terms of the timing and and everything. Even though it's a seven-year game in the making, uh, it blew up because I felt like you guys kind of did everything kind of right uh, at the same time. I'm the last person to tell you if we did something right or wrong. I, I even refuse to say something or like introduce my own game. Or like yeah. people, when people ask me, how's... Um, like, how would you advertise your game? I just refuse. Just read reviews. See what other people think about it. My opinion is always biased. So I would never be someone that reviews my game. But I I, I don't even know, like, where it went wrong in the other titles, where it went right with our title. Um, 
I'm not even from this in- industry. I never worked in this industry. So it's more or less basically coming back to my original thing. It's something we did just for the pure pleasure of playing it. Yeah. And um, you, what's funny is that you say, uh, okay, yeah, it's applicable for kids. The majority of what I read from reviews and people in my DMs, majority of them are older than me. Yeah. I played, I remember playing Bad Company 2 way out of its prime. I played a few years later. Um, I kind of skipped Battlefield 3 and I played a lot of Battlefield 4. Um, actually late in Battlefield 4 prime. I was never there from the release on. So, and I I love these games. And sometimes when I do actually modeling, fun fact, I jump into Battlefield 4 and see how they did it because I have no idea how it's done. Um, especially like some some things just to see, okay, how how did like the, the great games I ever enjoyed, how did they did it? And what is really funny is that a lot of people actually come into my DMs and say, hey, like, I'm like 30 now. I have worked my job. I barely play games, but you're the first game I really enjoy playing again. Like this reminds me of my old days when I was a kid. I it was the first time in a year that I actually played through a whole night. Yeah. Um, or like there's people coming, there's even reviews of it. People currently they played with their kids now. Hey, it's applicable for kids because it's like Roblox characters or whatever. Yeah. Um and it's not too graphical and everything. I can just play it with my kid and it's the best time I have had because I love the game and he likes to uh, play it too. So it's just insane for us, especially with the fact that kind of we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> well, we kind of know what we're doing, but we kind of don't know what we're doing. <laughs> well, you guys are, I think that comes through. You, I mean, before even talking to you and hearing your story, it looks like a game made out of pure enjoyment. I mean, I kind of got a hint when I only saw three of you guys working on the game. It's like, all right, these guys are making games for themselves. And I think that gets lost. Like I said, I think the funny thing when you start working for entertainment as a product, you start focusing it being a product a lot as you're kind of developing these games. And you have all these massive teams, marketing executives and leads and all these people who are trying to just make money, right? Kind of take the joy out of it sometimes in the process. And um, this is something that I don't see in, in smaller teams in indie development uh, where, you know, they're purely spending the time, heart and soul sweat to, to, to make a game for themselves. Because otherwise, if they don't, it, it's really hard to sustain that, you know, it's like, well, I'm not getting paid for this. You know, I'd rather do something else. So you can't make these type of games to what you guys make for the time that you guys put in without the pure joy of it yeah you know it, it other than that you know you'll you'll pretty much give up and so what you see is like these bigger teams you know start to just wrap whatever they can and, and just push it through the door before it's ready because they're running out of time right so how can you compete with the team like you guys where you have infinite time because you're making out of pure joy and you're working on zero dollar budget right so it's like it, it's a deadly combo and it's exactly what you need when you're trying to make something fun that's the funny thing about it you know business and fun actually is very hard to compromise uh to make a product and you guys were just making this out of fun and it shows like you said and people respond to it because you guys made a game for yourself and inadvertently made gains for a lot of people who who like you said fell out of playing games for a while right so 
big congratulations on you guys. I mean, you guys' story, I mean, what you're kind of sharing is, is very inspirational. Uh, in a time where I felt like, um, at least in the indie scene, there was a period where it was like this as the norm. It was like, hey, man, it was just busting ass and pushing through. But now we're, you know, in the last couple of years, and I don't know, I would love to kind of dig into the subject with you guys, where uh, even though it's a small team, they look towards publishers now. There's indie publishing, there's indie investment, right? Just to kind of lower the risk. Did you guys ever, in terms of your developments, when you were starting to see the numbers grow, seeing traction, right? We're like, hey, this might be something. Be nice to get paid for this. Did you guys even explore that option at all or and ultimately decided this that was not the way you guys wanted to go? Or did you just, just hey, let's 100% spend seven years on this. Let's just see and give it a shot right? on our own. No, to be honest, we never cared. Yeah. We just never cared. Um, I have a job. I earn my money. I made this when I came home. I, I come home from work and I do this for fun. There's no need to be paid for this. Yeah, it would be cool if you do it like one day full time kind of thing, but no, you give it. It's fine for everyone who wants to do it, um, and you're insecure about your things because it 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 takes a lot of balls to do what we did. Yeah, um, especially because it was very risky. Um, if we would have failed our release now, if there was something going. Like if we would have complete server outage and people can play in huge issues, we would have been completely bankrupt. Um, it's probably also the reason why no one is doing big FPS games in, in the indie scene because it's really fucking expensive. It's extremely expensive with like everything you have to take into account from anti-cheat to the, just the whole server backend. Um, we're like easily speaking like six digits uh, a month. This is this is how much this is costing. So it was really high risk. It is extreme high risk. And it's really unclear if that is rewarding. And um, yeah, okay, you get these people in. But the problem is that we would have is, okay, we get the publisher. The publisher tells us, okay, you'll release on this month because it's the best for your game to release on. What if the game's not ready? Yeah. What yeah, if yeah. we get an investor? Okay, hey. You guys, like, I pay you this and we do, like, really good rate for you. It, it might be actually really good in investor terms. And we release the game. We maybe don't even make the money back. Oh, what do we have to do? Then I go to work for 40 years just to pay that one guy back. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Um, or, like, even, okay, no, um, I'm, a, I'm in shortage now. I need my money back. We'll release the game tomorrow. Uh, no, we can't. And that is just the creative freedom we always wanted to have and we will forever continue to have. So if you ever have a publisher and investor, don't look at us. We will say no or don't even reply. Um, we just want to have our full freedom in what we do. We, we would never make something because there's money involved. We would never just do this thing because we earn more money. You can't believe how many emails I've got for like, hey, we make your game big and like we do this for publishing business. But we don't want to make the game big. We want to make the game for the people that are there. The, for the people that want to play something, to have that experience, to play something like this. The people that, because the people that want to play like something like this and they want to have the experience like this, they will find the game. They will find the game somewhat. 
within these other communities because someone will talk about it um, if they enjoy the game. So if you want to reach the people you actually want to reach, at least it worked in our case. I don't know about ever, other cases. I never studied marketing. I'm probably very bad at it, but we'll um, just go with it. Release your own game. I see sometimes in my YouTube, because I look at a lot of game developer things, the GDC talks, sometimes I see like devlogs of some developers where they just also completely only by themselves release a game. And these games like pop up in my Steam because I play like um, yeah, a lot of shooter games and like this and this. And like, I see their games. Yay. With what they did without like any big marketing, they reached me because I'm actually interested in this project. And it is like, especially where Steam comes in account a lot because Steam will market to you projects or products that are similar and Steam just doesn't care who is the developer behind it. Steam just says, okay, this is the best project for you. This is the best next game for you. And that is pretty much our strategy we went to. If people enjoy the game, the game will kind of sell itself. Yeah. Well, sell the spread, but yeah, they, people will play it themselves. They will find it themselves. Yeah. Because if you don't hear something bad about the game and you only hear great things, all your friends love playing it, you will get into it too, more or less. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> your intuition was correct everyone who wants to play so you guys mentioned like that big bump um initially from 15 to 30 and now you know you have 80,000 current players right were there anything in the traditional marketing media press that helped kind of you feel boost things up was it the streamers that were helping was it the uh you know media outlets like journalism that was helping what do you feel was the biggest contributor to your numbers starting to like really increase? So everything to this point is just, I think in marketing terms, it's called guerrilla marketing. It's more or less mouth to mouth. Yeah. It's just because people talked about it. Um, and there was that content creator, Blue Drake, who like initially kicked a lot out and we're really thankful for him. He, he did a huge thing, but overall, uh, Everyone who wanted to play something like this, everyone who's interested in that field, he found the game himself. There's so many people um, currently, like in Twitch, playing with like the highest people that are within Twitch, the biggest streamers around. Um, XQC and Summit 1G, we have Shroud, we have Lyric, like all the people that are really high end and a lot of people watch and they're really known for playing FPS games. They just come into Battlebit and chill. They just play the game. Uh, like for days and days, like every evening you see the same people over and over and it doesn't matter if they're big people or slow people and they never ask us for keys. They just bought it themselves yeah. because they want to see it. Um, we almost no one is asking us for keys, to be honest. There's quite a few, but most of them are actually like really small people where we can understand it. But all the bigger people, they just don't ask. They just come in and play. And it was always like this, even through the whole playtesting, people just come in because they want to see what it is like. They only hear like great things about it. They want to see what it is like. So yeah, everything to this point, the only actual money and effort we spend into marketing is that we have been invited to DreamHack uh, now three weeks ago. The only money I ever spend in marketing is actually getting these stickers. Mm-hmm. I spent 24 bucks on stickers and that's all money we spend in marketing so far. 
and I paid it from my own pocket. So kind of, we didn't even spend it. It's perfect. It's marketing as best, which is no marketing at all. <laughs> so when you guys were, uh, you know, the word of mouth is always king, obviously. If it's fun, it'll speak for itself. You know, people who are looking to play these type of games will find it. Um, and, you know, is it going to carry through? The, the crazy fact is still in early access. I mean, you guys haven't officially released the game. And so it's only going to get better and bigger. Uh, just following the principles you guys established, you know, just serving the community and constantly asking uh, for new features and running that through your community to kind of get it 100% where it needs to be. Uh, if you guys were to give, you know, advice to developers out there who are thinking along this path, right? I mean, there was a couple of things there that was crazy. Obviously, you guys went through this huge learning curve, right? This being your first release game. You know, you were talking about, you know, like keeping a game like this running every month because of server costs and moderation and anti-cheat, you know, easily in the six figures, which is hugely believable, right? There must have been steps towards that though, right? Like, oh, all right, we got to increase server. This is how many people are playing. There might have been some learning uh, examples there where like, oh, our server crashed or, or like we need, you know, we have way too many people jumping in. How long did it take for you guys kind of, in a span of months to kind of finally kind of like, all right, this is how it has to be because I'm sure that was a whole thing, right? Um, to finally get it to a rhythm where you guys are constantly serving the people who want to play and, and not running into problems, um, at least on the technical side of things. To be honest, you'll never reach that point. Mm -hmm. You will never reach this point. Because with everything you do, and that is very true with Battlebit, because what we're currently seeing is not like seven years of continuous on this one. This is the fifth or sixth iteration of Battlebit. Mm -hmm. This is from the core, completely renew, remade it completely. And it's something I keep up currently. My skills improved. I remake my old weapons because they look shit now. Um, I meet remade them several times already. In the meantime, I remade the vehicles several times in the meantime. Like, oh, like in a few months, we'll like find a new thing, a new feature that we can do. Oh, we can apply it to every single vehicle. Oh, then you have to remake all vehicles again. That is just how the flow goes, more or less. Um, with more or less everything in the game. And there's like always like sometimes if you're a really stuck at a point, usually one of these key people will appear and push you in the right direction if you just talk to them. And um, if you make a game the only thing i can really recommend to you is start building a community really early community will heavily push for you will heavily push you in what you're doing because it's a really fun to work with the community and just having that feedback of like hey okay we did it now exactly the guys you or exactly how you guys wanted it and then people will notice okay mm, the way we wanted it okay we see now it's kind of not really the, the great way and then you're like with your community you start finding out okay where's the best ground so what can we do? What can they do? And um, it's really just insanely great to work with your community regarding these things. And community will help you grow. Um, sounds interesting, but community will definitely help you grow, especially in your task resource. 
there's people out there and not all of them are students, not all of them have like learned nothing in their life. Um, and they only do like the nine to like nine to five things and just write math and chemistry and whatever. There's some people out there that have like jobs in specific fields. There is probably in our community, there's a bunch of game developers. And if we just openly say, and we are very transparent, I'm as transparent as literally streaming on Twitch, what I am doing. And it's like people coming in my chat were like uh, way better at the program I'm using, way better at Blender, whatever, way better at modeling. And they will tell me, hey, do you know about this shortcut? And I tried out and they're like, oh, that saves so much time. I never knew that because I, I never went for university for it. It's like learning by doing. It's if you do a game and you completely are almost filled with it and like in one year we'll notice, okay, with the skills I had back then, what I can currently do, back then is completely shit. I will just rewrite it completely. Um, and that is more or less where the flow goes, where you just like, don't be afraid to do mistakes. Nothing you will ever do is ever perfect. It will be probably shit in the next year. And you just have to admit it to yourself, more or less. And this, this once you reach that, that point, we know, okay, whatever I do now, it's kind of just broken down the line anyway. But by the time I reach that, it is, I have like such a good skill that I can completely fix it within way less time. That is really where the fun begins, where you just like constantly try to improve yourself and to constantly just try to fuck around more and see, okay, how can I do this better? And I do this, I noticed it a lot in weapons recently again, how like I fuck around with shape so much to make the current ones way better than the ones I made like uh, half a year ago. Well, half a year ago, I was like, I'm now going back into and see like, hmm, okay, with the current knowledge I have and like with this thing, little trick I learned, this could be better now. But I will revisit it in one year because at that point, I couldn't probably do something way better already. Well, this is the best student project I've heard for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I think that the cool things you guys foster community that, that, that want to be... Uh, if anything, I think nowadays um, with, you know, Twitch and, and YouTube, the community is a lot more, uh, uh, a lot more aware of how good game development works. It used to be magic, right? But like the fact that you are able to kind of have a community that is with you and want to be with you as you kind of patch this game up to full release is, is like you said, very um, encouraging. Right, it is a definitely a very fun way, a very fun and motivating way to to continue to improve the game. Uh, I've always been against the idea of traditional game development, where you basically hide in a cave for three years and nobody knows about it, and, and you know, outside of the development team, and, and then you just hope and pray when you release that it, it's somehow good and receptive and are surprised and shocked when it's not right, which is most of the case. So uh, I think your intuition, your guys' intuition to kind of share, getting out in front of people, you know, and, and, and just constantly build off of that is, is very unique. I think in, in, in game development that uh, isn't fully utilized. You look at any other entertainment product like movies and TV shows and whatnot. No one, no one, even in small, teams are doing that right the way that we do it and um we have the tools and the successful stories such as yourself to kind of use that as a, a a mere example to we should be doing it like this 
you know, if it, it feels appropriate, you should do it uh, as best as you can to kind of get your, your, your supporters as you're building the game, um, which totally makes sense. Um, is this something because you, you felt like as a, as a gamer, you wanted yourself or is this just something you guys like, how did you guys get to this level of maturity of understanding like, you know, the success of our game matters and how we tie in with their community. Well, I just we, did it for fun, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just did it for fun. There's nothing. We have always said, okay, there's nothing really crazy we have to hide. If it goes into like really the whole infrastructure on the server back and and safety and something, yeah, you should not be very public about that. Um this will probably just come right back at you and stab you in the back. But overall, if you just work on your features and like you, you do a coding stream and like show how in your system of your knowledge, you would build a feature like this, or even in my department, I've, when I do art and say, okay, we're doing a new map now. Um, and we do it like this and this, and you actually like show people what it takes to make a weapon. People will get even more understanding. So, People are always, especially with current times, I notice that more and more, a lot of people are just very impatient. And um, it's kind of interesting because actively showing people what you do brings back that that um, patience. Like if people uh, ask me, okay, what it does take to make a weapon? And even it's low poly, it takes way less time than like really high-end things. Uh, it still takes eight hours. Yeah. just for the base model. And people are like, what, eight hours is a whole day of working? Yeah, until it's in the game. There's 25 hours passed. 25 hours have been like, put into this one weapon before it is actually in the game and you play with it. That is how long it takes on our ends. And people don't know that. And I don't blame anyone for not knowing that because they can't know it. No one is into this. But if you go there and show people, people will understand why some updates just take weeks until they come out. Because it just takes a lot of time to make it work. Um, especially with how transparent we are. We have even more level life ticker. Every time we publish an update in the Unity branch, there will be a small update note thing. My brother's coming out. Wait, let me open the garage phone because I, I'm close to it. No worries. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's there's a live ticker, and every time there's an update pushed, people see it. It's not yet in the game published because you'll see it when it updates in Steam, but you see exactly what we did because we always write the text. Okay, we did this now, and then we did this, and then we did this, and then we did this, and we adjusted this and this, basically, and fully transparent. There was even like streams where me and Oki sit together. I make my models. He makes that programming for it in the background already with some dummies I created for him. And we were like co-developing that one feature and everyone was there live with us to see what it takes and how many trials and errors it is until it works properly. How much testing actually goes into some features. Yeah, it's, I think uh, exactly what you said. Yeah, there's definitely an impatience and it's not all about being malice and mean. It, it can definitely lead to that when um, no updates are provided. But uh, overall, I think people are just generally interested in content in whatever form, 
And like you said, you know, building a community is not just about releasing the game in patches all the time. It could be just getting them involved with behind the scenes, get them invested um, in other ways, right? In in terms of uh, just understanding the process. And a lot of, uh, I, I feel like the, the, the generation, the audience nowadays are very susceptible to, to wanting to learn uh, and, and basically be a part of the development process, right? So you guys are directly asking about features and stuff like that. Are there other things that you are thinking to experiment with? Like how, how else can we get the community involved? Um, because what you guys are doing or, or I think very few studios are doing and there are a lot of, I, I feel people are experimenting with innovations. So how do we get people going six months into development, one year into development, you know, two years away from full release? Are there ideas that you guys are playing around with right now that are pretty new that you guys feel like this hasn't been done before? Actually, yes. Um, there's one idea we will actually, we just started more or less. We kicked it off on Thursday is I want to start doing an actual like proper podcast where me and Ogi just sit down 30 minutes and just discuss about the next update. Discuss about like how our weeks went. Cause I think that could be just interesting that you have a full insight of what it is like to like do this in a week, like every week. Uh, same as we, we, we want to continue streaming live on Twitch when we actually do new updates. I will continue streaming when I work on things. And overall, we want to have, and we still do it. Even right now, we just jump into public chats once in a while and actually just ask people about their opinions. Ask what they want to see, maybe where they have issues with the game, all this, where it's more or less just the pure communication with people. And maybe even do like, well, it sounds bad, but a full influencer style kind of thing where you just like, hey, hey, I make a video, like um, 10 minute video. Oh, we have had this opportunity. Like if you travel, because yeah, if you do games, especially with us as small as we are currently, if we are on any events invited, we will probably do a lot of traveling on the side too. Yeah. Um, if you just do like small videos, okay, what is it like if you actual, actually travel there? And not like only the fancy things, even like the bad things. Okay, what is really bad about it? And just being like fully honest, okay, it, it actually takes this and this amount of effort uh, doing doing something like this in this style and just being like very open and public about what we are and who we are. I think this is something we can definitely expand in and make people actually aware of what it would be like and what people will get into. and even for those who just play our game, okay, I want to be with this game and I can actually be close to their developers because usually I watch the developer streams too because I think that's really interesting. Usually it's just like three people sitting on a round table. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Like every interview is like actually just three people yeah. sitting on a round table. It's, like, it's extremely funny. Whatever you watch from whatever company, it's like always that. And here, well, it has happened uh through this whole podcast too and it you can just leave it in if you want to because i wouldn't blame it i leave because i just still live at home yeah so there's my full family and everything around me which is like completely nothing they have nothing to do with the game i'm just like the only one that does it still for his hobby so um and it's the same for okay velasquez 
Ogie also lives with his family still. Velasquez lives with his wife currently. So he lives alone in a department. But because we all are from different con- uh, countries, we have actually never met before. Oh, just don't tell me that. So <laughs> that's even, oh my God. I know you what they look like. You guys have met in person? No, we have never met in person. Oh my um, God. You guys have the, like this crazy success and never thought to fly out and just high five each other and have a lunch. <laughs> no. No, not even interesting. Not a thing. Not, nothing planned. Well, we will meet at some point, and I hope this year's Gamescom because I live in Germany is fairly close to me, and yeah. I have to convince Oki to come over because it would be also his first convention ever. Um, to maybe go it, there with me. Has to have a, a, yeah, you guys just go get pizza, man. It doesn't have to be like a world event. You guys deserve it, you know. Yeah, but yeah. overall, I so think even with uh, me, uh, my family knows that I stream and they still just come in all the time. Yeah. But I think that is actually the, the very great thing because that makes me, what is the best term for it? If people, they connect with me. Yeah, I am not some black magician and uh, I have like have years of training and like back experience. No, I'm just like some random dude in his like room at like my parents' house. Yeah. And the same is for the other two. We just like three random dudes. We just met on the internet. We just like do play. We play games together and we just do some weird shit. That's inspirational, man. If you guys don't mind, if you don't mind me asking, what is the age range between you three? How old are you guys? Oh. Um, is that secret? I'm the, uh, no, I'm the youngest <laughs> in the group still. Okay. Um, Oki. Yeah. Oki turned 23 in February. Velasquez is about to turn 23 and I will turn 23 in September. So I'm currently still 22. Oh, so you guys just randomly found each other and you guys are around the same age. How funny is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a we all, coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like we're all in our early 20s. We just like fuck around the internet and we, we don't care. There's like, so you no, guys started like, developing. How funny how your guys' age just coincides with the actual year. So you guys met 17 years old then, 16 years old. Okay, okay. Like fully started, like everything. I think when he just learned things. I think he, like when he was fourteen. Yeah. Um. So I actually started with three D modding when I was fourteen, and we met around the age of seventeen, sixteen. Yeah. How are you guys' family and friends reacting to all the success that you're suddenly <laughs> finding yourself in? Is it still secret? I, <laughs> no, I, no. I, no. <laughs> Some of them don't know because, yeah. first of all, we don't care too much about money. And we yeah. all are, randomly enough, we are all people that would not brag about money. Yeah. Um, Even like their massive success. I, I wouldn't even call it massive success. If I talk to my friends, I still go out there casually. I will still go to school. I'm not like, oh, like we earn like shit tons of money now. I will never go to school again. No, I will still just do my normal things. Mm-hmm. I will still just say, that person that I am, I've before, I will continue to be the same person afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so the other two, our main value is just like half everyone's time valuable and everyone's experience fun. And even though it would be really fun because I'm a huge car infusion, just earning a really expensive sports car, I will probably just never buy one. Yeah. Well, you guys sound very uh, un-American. <laughs> <laughs> over here as soon as we see success it's like it's like fuck you fuck you fuck you i'm out but you know no. the hard work the hard work really is proving itself to to win and you guys are definitely 
hard workers uh, to continue building the game as well as like not abandoning, you know, you guys' other ambitions even before the game was a success. So that, that really speaks volume to you guys' character to uh, to kind of finish what you guys started and and not let success change you guys in any way. That's that's incredible and inspiring to hear. And yeah, I think a lot of people can can learn a lot from you guys' uh, background. You know, hopefully you guys share more of your story, you know, to other outlets too. Because it was hard finding info about you guys. You know, the only thing that I saw was, you know, the, the, what was listed on Steam. I was like, man, these guys must be, like, they don't even care to list their names. You know, you guys need to go and buy your Discord names. It was like, oh, this is going to be a good story. I, I just have a feeling that these guys are just, you know, you guys were just making games for yourself and the success, you know, was a product of you guys' hard work and not so much as like, purposely trying to look for success right it was just a byproduct of making a fun thing between you guys so it was it's awesome man um i i want to say that uh you know we're, we're, we're a little past the hour mark but you know time flies when you're having fun and i had a lot of fun learning your guys's story your story uh what you guys are continuing to want to do with battle bits uh, I hope listeners and viewers out there are learning a lot from this. And I really do hope as, you know, for game developers to kind of take more of what you guys did. I think it's always safer that way, you know, create fun for the sake of fun without any outside pressure. Uh, I can equate to a lot of problems being outside pressure a lot of the times, at least in game development. And, um, you know, you guys are, are, are shining light to like what's possible. So. Thank you. But before I end it, you know, I, I warned you before, this is the ta- uh, part of the podcast where I shut up, hand over the mic so you can talk directly to the viewers and listeners out there about what you want them to know, where to find you and all that. So uh, take it away. Well, if you, if you want to play the game, you will find the game. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to learn more about us, uh, best chance is like if you actually want to meet us in person, like in person, uh, I will probably go to some events soonish. Um, that's the Gamescom. I will probably, I will most likely be at Gamescom if you want to meet me in person. If you just want to meet us online around, your best chance on the Discord because we actually hang around in public channels a lot. If you just want to see like actually what we do behind the curtains, which is not really behind the curtains because they are like we don't even have curtains. Mm-hmm. Um, just check battle bits or uh, there's on twitch it's battle bit official there's our twitter um battle bit game you will you will find us you'll find us well there you have it guys if you want to play you do the work and find them <laughs> i want to thank you max for coming on uh it was a pleasure and for those uh links will be provided in this show description to make it even easier Right. Maybe I, I will just say if you want to play them, just find them. Uh, but I'll, I'll make it simple. But uh, thanks, guys. And see you guys all next week. Hello, everybody. Brandon here. I want to talk to you today about something very special. We've been on this wild ride together, haven't we? From my early days as a senior employee, feeling a bit lost, all the way to leading multiple studios, transitioning to smaller indie teams and to the mobile industry, and now running my own game studio for the last six years. Throughout this time, you've been here listening and learning along with me, sharing this never-ending journey of discovery 
This year, I'm kind of on this quest of meeting serial studio founders, discussing acquisitions, or exploring what it takes to grow a studio to over 100 developers. I've always tried to find an exciting topic to delve into, and every year is a little different. The focus is a little different because that's where I am in my career currently, and I want to be able to share what I'm learning with you guys. So I've always been dedicated to asking the tough questions, bringing you insightful answers from industry leaders and experts. And now I want to share with you how I'm applying these answers to my own journey. This is why I'm excited to announce that for just $1.99 per month, you can now subscribe to our exclusive content series. These bonus episodes will give you a deeper look into my personal experiences and how I'm putting into practice what our esteemed guests are preaching. It's more of a personal side of the journey that I hope will show you that we're all in this together and we're all continuously learning. Whether you're a game developer, studio founder, or just a passionate gamer, there's something in it for everyone. By subscribing, not only will you gain access to this exclusive content, but you'll also be supporting the ongoing production of the regular programming. It helps keeps the lights on and ensures that I can continue bringing you top quality content and insight into the world of game development. The links to subscribe are in the description. Your support means the world to me and helps me keep doing what I love sharing this journey with you. So show some love, hit that subscribe button, and let's continue this adventure together. Thank you all for your continued support. And as always, stay tuned for more exciting content. Until next time, this is Brandon, signing off.